Hey everybody, this is Matt and Nicole. On this episode of After the Kid Goes Down, we're going to watch the Mort- Morton Scorsese film. <laughs> Who's that knocking on my door? Is that what it is? Yep. Let's go! that knocking on my door this is the beginning of our martin scorsese journey where this season one of the things we've decided to do is get through scorsese's filmography (laughs) that was the most boring way to say that ever you said that very slowly i'm trying to be more clear so you don't say Morton Scorsese again? Yes, Morton Scorsese. Yeah. So for this season, we decided to uh, hone in on a single director and try and watch. And we were watching most or a good, a significant chunk of his filmography, not all of it. I asked Matt, please, let's not do a white man. And so we ended up with Martin Scorsese. Not all so. white men are bad. And if we're oh going to if we're going to pick directors, he's got to be one of them at some point. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, last season Ari didn't like how often we ragged on Scorsese or how often I just equated him with mob films. Uh she says his non-mob stuff is wonderful. Um so here we are. So this is the first film he ever made. It's an independent film made in 1967. Who's that knocking at my door? Um, looks like from a brief glance at the Googles, it, has, it is also Harvey Keitel's first film. <gasps> Harvey. Oh, okay. What? No, you're right. You're right. Sometimes I'm right. But uh, besides that, I don't know much else about this movie. Yeah. I don't know anything at all except for Harvey Keitel looks like a baby, a little baby. It's tough with like directors' first films, especially when they're independent films, because they're usually not very good because, A, the director is literally just figuring out how to do their craft, and, B, independent films tend to be independent. So they're not a, good, not a famous cast, not, of experience, not a lot of experienced actors, but sometimes they surprise you. I mean, I would assume this is going to be decent because it kicked off his career. Um, yeah. 1967 is a long time ago. Yeah, but I feel like like almost immediately following this, there was like stuff that I had heard of. Yeah, when you go and you look at his filmography, it takes off pretty pretty quickly. So, um, I also believe there's, and again, we'll learn this as we watch more of his films. But I think Catholicism is a big theme or religion or something in his Mm -hmm. movies. Um, Obviously, not in the ones we've seen, but um, I think this has some of that in it. But I mean, I'm be honest. Like, there's no Catholicism in his in his mob movies. I mean, I'm sure there is when you look for it, but nothing jumps out and nothing you know stands out in my mind. I mean, the Italians are nothing but they're the best. Yeah, but that's why Catholics I'm surprised. I don't know. Be. So, I'm a, I'm anticipating a gritty, quasi boring film. Okay. Um, I could be wrong, but we'll find out. Who's That Knocking at My Door? Released in 1967. Directed by Martin Scorsese. 
written by Martin Scorsese, starring Harvey Keitel and Zena Bethune. An unlikely romance forms between a streetwise New Yorker and a snob in director Martin Scorsese's feature film debut. JR is a typical Italian-American on the streets of New York. When he falls for a girl, he decides to get married and settles down. But when he learns that she was once raped, he struggles to handle it. Okay, so we just finished our first uh, Scorsese film, his debut film from 1967, Who's That Knocking on My Door? Nicole, thoughts? Pardon my 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 chair is super squeaky, so if you hear those weird noises, that's what it is. Go ahead, Nicole. He yelled at me not to move, but your swivel worst. chairs are hard not to swivel. All right, let's not talk about the chairs. Okay, go ahead. Uh, well, Scorsese threw the entire kitchen sink at this one, like the entire kitchen sink. What do you mean? He tries just about every type of shot there is to try, every kind of transition there is to try like it's it's just it's the most hilariously awful thing i've ever seen wow okay. mostly because like it's funny to think about like where he gets to in his career yep. versus this i mean this is just th- there's like elements to it where you can see like you can see kind of what he's trying to do. Yeah. But it's very clear that this is a filmmaker's first film. Yeah. Like to me, so Harvey Keitel, who is his debut film as well, apparently has done five other movies with famous directors as their debut films. So like he was in Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs, which was Tarantino's first film. Reservoir Dogs is a much more polished first film than this is. Reservoir Dogs is my favorite Tarantino, so. (laughs) But the difference is, this is clearly like an NYU student's first independent film. Like, it's made for next to nothing. You can tell it's made for next to nothing, right? Like you said, like, there's shots that freeze to still frames. There's jump cuts. There's, like, artistic close-ups. Oh, my God, the close-ups. The close-ups of just making out. (laughs) Like, all they're doing. It's a little uncomfortable. It was, it was, how is that uncomfortable? Well, because I can only watch people. What are you, like five? Well, no, but like I can only watch close-ups of people's faces smushing against each other to no music and just well, it's noises for it's so long. It's funny because I'm thinking like, one, it seems like Harvey Keitel is a good kisser. Two, you know, it, it's such an extreme close-up of their face as they're making out with each other. Um, that I thought, okay, well, this is the 60s, so maybe this is just, like, him, like, alluding to the fact that they're having sex. But then he pulls back out, and they're both, like, still fully clothed. Like, no, that was a that was just purely a make Just session. dry humping, yeah. Okay, so, like, the positives for me yeah. were Harvey Keitel. Okay. He, you know, there's not really a lot to work with in this, but, like, no. I feel like you can see that he is a good actor or is going yes, to be a good he's, actor. He's got a good like, presence too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the second thing that I liked about it was, again, like I said, the, the elements of something greater there. Like, I kind of loved the fact that I don't think you were supposed to like JR at all. It seemed like yep. he was... Because at first I was like, oh, great. It's 
This is a film made in the 60s. He meets and falls in love with this this woman who ends up telling him, spoilers, that that she was raped. And then yep. he responds yeah, he in a very 1960s male sort of way. Like, yep. blames her, calls her a whore. Um, a whore. Almost like yeah. Frank from yeah. <laughs> It's Always Sunny. Yeah. And I was afraid that it was going to go. It's a sign of the time. So I thought he was going to be like supporting that reaction. Oh, like you're saying Scorsese was going to lean into JR's reaction. Yeah. But instead, I felt like the way that he had the actress play off of JR demonstrated that like we're no. on that we're on the side of the actress here. Scorsese's on the side of the actress here. It's, you know, he's yeah, well, making a statement and I don't think we were supposed to be on JR's side. No, and I think he's making a statement and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in his filmography. There's clearly a statement here about Catholic guilt, right? There's a lot of shots of, like, the Virgin Mary, and, like, at one point he's kissing the cross and blood comes out of his mouth. Like, you and, know, like, toxic little... masculinity, like, before that was a th- phrase. I think so. I think that's what he's getting at a little bit here. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. Be. There's a lot of boys being boys, but they're also, like, kind of being douchebags. Right, that's yeah. kind of the tone the film I think is trying to do. Like you said, like it's one of these movies that I feel like the farther away from it we get, the more I'll be able to unpack it. But like when you stop it, my first thought is like that's clearly made by a first-time filmmaker. Mm-hmm. It didn't come across as like, wow, this guy's gonna be a legend. I don't think. I think he. I think the themes are interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, he's definitely toying around with, with deep, edgy themes, you know. But, I mean, it took him two years to shoot this movie. It doesn't feel that way. Two years? Yeah. Like, your movie was better put together than yeah. this movie was. Whoa. You hear that, Martin? That's right. Like, I don't even, like, the dialogue was terrible. Yep. Um, I mean, the- it holds a 70% of Rotten Tomatoes. So, it's not like it's, it's, it's really, like, well-received. Roger Ebert gave it a huge glowing review when it came out. But, like, as a whole, not like the critics are always right, but it does, it's got like a 6.6 on IMDb. Like, it's not, it's not like a movie that people are like, oh, yeah, you got to see that movie. It's, it's Scorn of Scorsese's best. Like, it's clearly a first yeah. film. I mean, I'm glad that we watched it as like a beginning of, of his career. And I, I'm interested to see how often. He, if at all, he revisits what he tried to do with this film. One of my favorite scenes was was like right in the middle, right after the extreme close up making out, where like it's clear that like she wants to have sex and he's like pulling the like you know I I want to marry you so we can I want to wait sex. till we get married yeah because yeah. I'm a Catholic um, but I also bang prostitutes in my free time like all the time, yeah. and she, he's like if you loved me you would understand and she just goes I guess <laughs> but you know i loved that you know what's funny is i'm with you but like we got the credits up right in front of us right now on the tv and she, her character doesn't even have a name no it's just girl i also love that the mother is played by his mom but is like that his mom is that mama scorsese it might be Catherine scorsese i would assume yeah. so i That's mean so cute i mean it, it's tough because there's so much stuff in this film that, like, 
there's so many random jump cuts where like all of a sudden it cuts to his mom cutting bread. The movie opens with a, with an Italian mom making bread for their kids. Like I don't I'm having a hard time finding the connection. I'm sure there is one, but it's hard. Well, that's is he one of the kids? Which I totally forgot that that scene was even a thing until they they flashed back to it later. Yeah, I guess, but then there's like the weird party <laughs> Like, again, on the credits right now, there's Boy With Gun. Like, there was a whole weird party where, like, they were joking around with a gun, and he was, like, pointing at his friend's head, who at first I was laughing, and then was like, oh, please don't kill me. You're like, whoa, this yeah. escalated quickly. Well, that was every scene, almost every long. scene, yes, was way too long. Any scene with, like, the friends, all they did was laugh with, yeah. like, no context. Yep. And, like, are they high? Like, no, I just Drunk? thought it was a way to like, n- like, just like, let's not even write any dialogue. Like, you guys are having fun. Go. <laughs> yeah. But like them having fun was like, <laughs> I was like sitting at a bar ordering Johnny Walker, not even really drinking it, just like throwing napkins at each other's like they well, were the in one like guy was middle dr- school. The guy was drooling. So they were wiping his mouth. It was very dumb. Because well, I was like, because yeah. I was like, what are they laughing at? They have to be laughing at something. That's why I thought like they just like do blow some coke before they came to this bar. Like I don't know. Uh, I think and was... there were there were a lot of a lot of the scenes felt like they dragged. Yeah. Um, a lot of weird dream sequences where he Jr. is dreaming about touching her her hair. Like even in the beginning, there was a weird sequence where Jr. is in like the brothel or wherever they're hanging out. And he's, like, daydreaming about meeting her? Or had he already met her? Like, that's what the timeline was awkward to try to figure out what was going on. Like, before he talks to her about the French magazine, he hadn't met her before. But in the scene prior to that, he's daydreaming about, like, watching her laugh. So, like, is he stalking her? Like, I I wasn't... I thought that that was, like, he was imagining going up to her. I, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah that's uh, there what were I mean. there were like a lot of out of sequence things going on. One one of the things the, I like the transitions. The transitions were very jarring. Like, the transitions were so terrible and dry. like I laughed out loud so many times. Over and over again you were laughing. Just well, just because either the scene and I don't think it was supposed to be like a freeze frame. I just think that it was like, okay, we have to switch the scene and like it just paused for like well, a split second too long. Well, and apparently he shot it on two different size films. So he shot it in 35 millimeter and 16 millimeter. So I wonder if that made an impact to how it was cut together. I mean, back in the 60s, they were literally like, kind of physically cutting things together. So I don't know if that would impact it. And especially if he was only making like, it for a shoestring budget where maybe he didn't have good editing equipment or a professional editor. But, like, I feel like we've watched other independent films that were better put together than this one was. Yeah. Like, the like the scene you're talking about where they're sitting at the bar drinking Johnny Walker. Oh, that was another thing. There was so many of the shots were set up so weird where, like, things were just blocking stuff. So yeah. it's like it's like the straight shot of the of the three of them at the bar. But the bartender is in front of them. So you're only you're not like you can't really see any of them. Yeah. And then all of a sudden. The bartender just disappears. Disappears, yeah. <laughs> just gone. And again, I'm like, is he trying? Is that an attempt at a jump cut? But it just is like, it's like you're watching it. Was it. so bad. That's the problem is there's so many of those cuts where you're like, I can't tell if that was an accident or on purpose or intentional. <laughs> I will say what you can tell, how you can tell he's even at this as his first film, 
He's somebody that believes in letting the actors act and telling a story. Like, it's not a style. I mean, I, I guess it is highly stylized, but there are a lot of sequences where he kind of like, they're long takes on Harvey Keitel. Mm-hmm. Where Harvey Keitel just talks and the camera kind of moves around him and whoever's in the scene. Um, it's not like the whole movie there are these jump cuts, which makes me think they were intentional. But how, I mean, I mean, I, I guess too. So originally there was a there was a sex exploitation director distributor that wanted to distribute this in 1968, and he told Scorsese, "I'll I'll distribute your film for you, but because I'm into sex exploitation, I need more sex scenes." So Scorsese filmed all those prostitute sex scenes, but artistically, and, and ended up like enhancing the film so they got released that way opposed to through sex exploitation but again like that was a weird thing like i get it jr likes to bang prostitutes i don't need like 10 minutes of him artistically banging prostitutes yeah and it was yeah there was a lot of spinning i closed my eyes for a good portion of that and like at the one point like to me there were moments like this that were over the top and like he's clearly trying to do something but it's like man you're just not good enough yet. Yeah. Like when they're banging the when Jr. is banging the girls, the prostitutes, and the ones laying on the bed, naked, and he's standing like six feet away, and he has like a deck of cards. Yeah. <laughs> and he like plays fifty-two card pickup where he like flicks them all at her, and she like dramatically tosses her head back, almost as if he shot her, and yeah. then lays there like she's dead. And he stands smiling at her for a minute and then walks off screen. And I'm like, did he just, like, ejaculate cards on her? Like, I don't understand what, what just happened. Like, like what? I guess it could be ejaculation. But that's what I mean. Like, I, I watched that moment. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Mm-hmm. How now, old was he when That's what I was going to look this. up. I mean, so let's it, it, say he shot it. 19, he started shooting in 1965. He was born in 1942. So he was in his early 20s when he shot it, which explains a lot. Um, he has said that he that this movie, quote, was the first film to show what Italian-Americans were really like, end quote. Speaking as a person who was raised in Little Italy. So, again, he, he we've seen his other films. He's clearly somebody that believes in showing the Italian-American experience, at least mm-hmm. the experience he had. Like, the movie opens with him just beating the piss out of people, like, in the middle of the street. For no real reason. You never find out why. Like, yeah, that's what I, I got to imagine that a lot of this film is demonstrating what he believes to be toxic masculinity in the Italian-American community. Because other like, as you said, it's not like it's sympathetic towards these guys. It's almost like comically over the top. Well, and I'm thinking of like the Irishman yep. where, you know, Robert De Niro's character ends up alone in the end. Like yep. they're 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 not usually given like a happy ending um no this so movie ends just... with him being separated from the woman he claims he loves yeah you know so no, yeah but I, the, so i'm saying like it's it's interesting he's able to to do the same thing but just like better better yeah, yeah later on so what would you give it we're doing stars this season yeah we're switching to stars because uh of our letterboxd accounts i yes. just wanted to match that um and stars which... are a new rating for me so how many stars is a perfect movie five Five. So the way that I like to think of it is like five stars is, is is like perfect. Like I absolutely loved it. Four is I really liked it. Three is a medium movie. Uh, two I didn't really like it, but I could see some merit. And one is I fucking hated it. 
Um, so how many stars do you want to give it? Probably two and a half, and you can go halfsies on Letterboxd. Of course you can too, go halfsies. So. Come on, yeah. this is my total first radio, rodeo. Or I'm, just, first I'm, radio. Say, I'm just saying in case people don't know what Letterboxd is. Nobody knows what Letterboxd is that aren't like cinephiles. Um, so you gave it two and a half? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm tempted to give it only two, but I'm going to give it half a star for effort. Like, you can tell, I, if this was the first time me seeing this director's film, I f- and I didn't know it was Scorsese, I feel like I would think, man, this kid is trying really hard yeah. and failing yeah. badly. Baby Scorsese. You know, um, I'll be interested to see what film two brings and if he, how much better he gets. Yeah. Because um, obviously, eventually, he masters the craft. But... <laughs> What? He does. <laughs> but this is not even close. <laughs> yeah, no. Not at all. Okay. All right, friends. As always, thanks for listening. Please take a minute to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating. This helps us out so much in being able to continue to do this and meet our goals as film critics. As we mentioned, we'll be watching through most of Scorsese's filmography this season, so join the conversation on our Instagram or Twitter. We love hearing from you. And if you're a huge Scorsese fan, please let us know. We might invite you to guest on the pod. You can find us on Twitter at KidGoesDownPod, Instagram at AfterTheKidGoesDown, and we're both on Letterboxd under Nicole underscore ATKGD and Matt underscore ATKGD. We post everything we review there, and because I'm type A and I love organizing shit, I've got our season movie list, our family movie night list, and more. After the Kid Goes Down is brought to you by Matt Nicole, research by Ariana Gracia, music and editing by Kate Falconer, produced by Matt Robinson and Nicole Robinson, associate producer Kate Falconer.